coming up on another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. Myself, Jack Tuhill, briefly at the start, and Cody Ajada talked about the Socceroos going down to Argentina in the round of 16 of the FIFA World Cup, ending this historical run from Graham Arnold's side. First of all, just touch on myself, um, and I think I mentioned the podcast, but uh, not feeling the best at the moment, and uh, that would explain why I'm sounding a little bit nasally at the moment, so um, just a heads up on that. But uh, yeah, we're going to delve into all of it from, of course, you know, uh, just the game itself, but also mainly really uh, off-field and, and, and the live sites and uh, the scenes from that and how many people came out to watch Socceroos uh, this morning because it was just uh, an incredible, incredible moment for the game in Australia talk a little bit about the A-League influence in this squad and and what this means maybe moving forward and, and also about uh, some future moves potentially for, for some of the players in the squad as well as a result of this uh, of this um, you know uh, historical run as well also the APL and, and what they can do to to make the most of, of this team and what they've been able to achieve uh, and uh, yeah just uh Really talking all things Socceroos and uh, a lot of praise because this this team has has just really um, taken up a place in all of our hearts. I think uh, for for what they've been able to achieve with this tournament, it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, and I don't want to hold up uh, you guys any longer from being able to listen to to our opinions on it. So, without further ado, I'm your host Christian Marchetti, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast, and it is going to be our final Socceroos reaction podcast um, to what has been a historic, memorable, uh, emotional, and just quite incredible World Cup campaign from Graham Arnold Socceroos going down to Argentina 2-1 in the round of 16, but not without a fight. And uh, today I'm going to be joined by Cody Ajada again. And also Jack Tuhill. Boys, Cody, how are you going first? Oh, mate. <laughs> well, you sound like shit. Yeah, that, that, that's that. Uh, I sound like shit. I feel like shit. Um, I, I, I'm, Don't get me wrong. Very, very proud of the Socceroos. Definitely coming home with their heads held high. Well, not coming home because, unfortunately, they've got to go back to Clubland straight away. Um, yeah. Good would it be if we could like meet them at the airport or something? That'd well, I guess fantastic. the A-League guys can. I mean, I'm I'm just waiting for when Craig Goodwin gets back oh, here and plays one game oh, at Highmarsh. It's going to be insane. When he comes to Sydney, I'm giving that guy a hug. Yeah. Uh, I don't care how many security try to stop me. I'm giving that guy a hug. But, yeah, um, that part, I'm feeling good. Everything else, um, the lack of sleep, I think, is catching up to me. So, yeah, in that regards, you yeah. feel kind of shit. Okay, well, that's yeah. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> Jack, go yeah. with Cody there. The lack of sleep is definitely, uh, definitely catching up on me. I'm really keen to just, you know, maybe just watch the morning highlight show for a few days and just, you know, get all zen. <laughs> <laughs> 
and yeah. just try and kick back just a little bit, you know, because, bro, yeah. I, it, it's it's wild. World Cups are wild. <laughs> Absolutely. They, they really are. All right, let's just, um because I did this, we did this, uh, Cody, to the reaction to Denmark, where we kind of talked about our personal experience of the game and stuff. I want to quickly, now you were both in Darling Harbour, the live site at Darling Harbour. I was in Fed Square, um, and I'll get into that in a second because just fucking wow. Um, but Cody, uh, we'll start with you. Give us a little bit of a debrief how that was, went down at Darling Harbour in the live site there. Uh, from what I saw, it was, it was pretty incredible. Obviously, across the nation was just unbelievable. And it kind of speaks volumes that the first thing that we're talking about is these live sites and how many fans are watching this game and not the game itself because I, I think this is really important. I want to get into it straight away. Look, football culture in Australia is incredibly underrated. There was, look, I was told you I was at Cheese Bar for the Tunisia game. I don't know if the atmosphere was as good because I think there was a lot of people that were like, oh, yeah, we're here, we're watching the game, but we don't really know what we're gonna, what we're meant to do. Whereas Cheese Bar is probably more seasoned football fans. But mm. look, to have, to just look around and see uh, Darling Harbour packed out at capacity. They had to send people to tiers in buildings on the other side where they could still see the game. And just turning around just as the game started and seeing that area packed out two whole levels, a staircase full of people sitting down because they had nowhere else to go. It was incredible to see that many people just invested in watching a game on a screen that you could have just done at home because people are genuinely into this. There is a passion and a need for football in this country. And this could genuinely, even though we lost today, the fact that it's just so secondary like and even ahead of the game i was saying to people like you, you don't get it like not not in a bad way just like you know this is the result really isn't important here what's important is that we're once again showing um to in particular i think to the government and to and to local mps and to state premiers that this sport well, i think um, now People are going to know. People are going to notice. That's yeah, the biggest like thing that's coming this out of this. Like, there's a deserves, need for football in this country. Yeah, it's the recognition. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what it is. It's 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 the recognition that Australian soccer is a viable sport and soccer. a viable sporting option. <laughs> I'm going to say soccer with a double K and AH for the next four years now because that's the culture that we have here. It's soccer culture, yeah. right? We can talk about football. But that's that's what we got down here, and and I think what this World Cup experience has shown is that not his own, not only is football or soccer a viable sporting option for kids, for families, and also for Australia in terms of building a, a, a sporting rapport with the rest of the world, as sport is, you know, usually used as a political device and mm. and all that stuff, and 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 it has more depth than just the game. Um, it also shows that. Like Cody says, we have a culture in this country, right? And and it may not be, you know, like the English Premier League where sixty thousand people will 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 you know just pack out Anfield every single week, or you know Stamford Bridge or whatever. It may not be that, but it's this it's this subculture that has so many different shades, so many different colours, and it, it, it's just uniquely beautiful. And yep. like you said, the result is secondary to this whole experience. We we walked into this World Cup thinking that if we can just get a point, you know, or we score a goal, you know, that might just be enough 
to get us through the next four years just because the the group was so difficult and at our squad whilst we definitely think it's it's better than you know a lot of experts tipped us to be um we got everything that we ever could have asked for from this team we mm. took it to the argentinians i mean come on grant qual was a base proverbial away from scoring and Emilio Martinez had to pull off a miraculous save. I'm, I'm going to say this right now. Extra time. And if-, if, if Garen Kowal scored that goal, um, front page football might have, have to be taken over by someone else because I would have died. Um, so just, just, just letting everyone know that. Oh. I would have probably 100% passed away of a heart attack. I don't know. The Aziz Bayes charts, my heart was like, there were palpitations. It was like insane. I could actually feel it. It was fucking weird. Um, and then... And then the Kowal one, we, and I'm we like, were we were, yeah. Sorry, me and me and uh, Cody were like, you know, legit a fingertip away from getting Aussie DNA tattooed across our chest. Sorry, you know, <laughs> um, that's 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 just a funny thing about this World Cup, and I just loved every second. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the, the Fed Square experience. Um, myself and, and Antonis, who, who writes for us here at Front Page Football as well, we, we headed down and uh, a bit of a last-minute thing to, to head to Fed Square after witnessing uh, what we witnessed in, in both Tunisia and the Denmark games. And um, so what first thing that's really striking is, um, so the game was obviously at six uh, local time. And honestly, if you didn't get there before 430 um, you know, you, you're probably packing your bags and heading to Amy Park instead. Like, that's how early this thing was packing up, uh, filling up, sorry. And that's how big this was. And how much, like, the allure of Fed Square has grown uh, over this past week as well, uh, which was just crazy. And, um, yeah, we, we got a really nice vantage spot. Uh, I'll say that as well, uh, seeing the screen. Um, and then it's just a pyro show for about an hour. Um, and... It's actually, for the most part, done really well. Uh, a lot of people, you know, and and I'll say this now, uh, because I haven't really been in in many environments before where flares have, have been lit up so so often and regularly. Um, but for the most part, uh, on on day, uh, you know, everyone did it pretty responsibly, and 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 I say for the most part because I'll get into probably some negative stuff in a sec. But you know, it, it's actually very safe if someone just lights it and holds it in the air in their hand. It, it's extremely safe um and that there really are no issues i guess the only thing is if you're near it you know you you better cover your nose um but (laughs) you know apart from that it's it's very fine um obviously though there there are there are morons there are idiots we know that uh and unfortunately these idiots decide to throw flares into crowds of people um one of those people was me so that was nice um i actually got uh looked up at one point uh, this was, well, I want to say, just before kickoff. And a flare was literally coming straight <laughs> for my face. Uh, turned my back on it, though, which was good. And it hit me in the ass. So uh, that's all right. I do have a bit of a burn mark and a uh, and uh, and a little hole in my um, in my Socceroos kit now. So that's, uh, that's a nice uh, nice little uh, souvenir. Battle scars, man. Yeah. Battle scars. Souvenir from the, uh, from the uh, experience, I guess. Yeah, Jack. Memories. Um, yeah, uh, touch on the crowds. So, uh, at Darling Harbour, much the same. Um, the majority of people were really well behaved. majority yeah. of people were using their, their pyro in, in a very safe way. But um, I think Darling Harbour, in terms of what I've heard from, from other people just anecdotally, um, I think was a, 
little bit worse of an experience. I think that the um, organisers did not expect as many people to be down there as mm. that did turn up. And unfortunately, um, there were some troublemakers in the crowd. And uh, I just wanted to highlight some other dangers. It's not just, you know, the threats are getting burned, but in a, in a crowd so big that of Federation Square and also um, uh, Darling Harbour, when, when you do throw flares, you know, obviously people want to get out of the way. They don't want to get burned. And yep. that can force people to move quite suddenly. Um, I personally felt a little concerned that um, someone might get injured um, in that scenario where someone may fall over, may, someone may may fall onto another person and a domino effect starts happening. So um, to those people who think it's quite all right to, to throw that stuff, um, really just stop it because... There's a way where fans can can have those liberties in stadiums and in live viewing sites without causing headaches for both organisers, police and other spectators. And it's all about acting responsibly. And, you know, we can we can talk about how, you know, the media likes to blow these things out of proportions, but we, we also need to ha- take some personal responsibility in those situations. Yep. So. To those who did bring flares and did act in an irresponsible way, please just don't do it again or don't come at all. Absolutely. And here's I think uh, one thing that's close yeah, mentioned, Cody, actually. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, the police approach, at least at Darling Harbour, I saw. Now, it's been well, well documented right through the A-League, the history of the A-League, where the police, once they see a little bit of orange smoke, they harp on it, they jump on it, and five people are getting kicked out even if they didn't touch it. There was people, there, you guys have seen things at Darling Harbour, Jack, you were amongst it. They were everywhere. But the police kind of just sat back and monitored it and just made sure yes, no one was getting hurt. And that's what they did. Or I didn't the see square. anyone yep. being that, that, hauled that, out. That was definitely the correct approach because in mm-hmm. that sea of mm-hmm. people, if the police were heavy-handed and, and did, you know, go as we've seen in the past... Mm. That would have caused immense issues. We've seen it in in other huge crowds around the world throughout history, where the police response is very heavy handed and it gets people hurt. And I have to throw massive respect out to New South Wales Police and also the security at the at Darling Harbour because they acted really, really responsibly in monitoring the situation, making sure people who wanted to get out of the sea people got out safely, and also making sure that. I saw a few troublemakers hauled off, which I thought was very well done. It was done very subtly, and it was also done very safely. Yeah, uh, agree. And and that was definitely the case in in Fed Square. I mean, you know, the police aren't stupid, and I'm I'm sure they were they were notified about uh, you know the 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 BCF posts that were uh, that were trending on uh, on social media yesterday of uh, all the stores that were sold out of flares. I mean. You know, it was pretty funny, like looking through that and being like, "Gee, I wonder what's going to happen um, at these live sites uh, tomorrow, right?" Um, but I just hope it shows that, like, yeah. when it comes to daily games again, they can have that approach still, and no one's going to get hurt. I don't know about you guys; I've never seen people throw flares at an A League game, so I don't know who no, it was. That and was and this is what I'm going to get into. That's a really good point because this is what I'm going to get into. Um, uh, and the. The thing I want to get into is that in terms of the people who are misbehaving, so we were we were with um, uh, a few Victory Active supporters um, who were who obviously they're supporting Stockers and stuff. Now, they were actively calling out people who were 
throwing flares, right? And the common media perception is that it's A League active supporters that are the, you know, the 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 misbehavior, uh, the the misbehaving um, fans, and that they're the ones that should be locked up. Whatever it is, uh, the 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 bad ones, right? Um, so which kind of led me to believe, well, actually, the bad ones in this case are bandwagon people who have just come on to to watch the game and are really coming more for the event and the occasion, not so much for the game, which is definitely definitely the case. Right. Or, you know, quite ironically, could it be AFL fans who have come and, and actually to watch the game? Might just not understand. Yeah. AFL fans or rugby I mean, fans. They, oh, dropped yeah, their, they, they dropped their draw at 6 a.m. Well, like, I wouldn't put it past, you know, uh, Gillum McLaughlin to get in the year. Some of them. Yeah. Look, I'm sure that's not <laughs> the case. I don't no, know. Yeah, it's I'm, a bit of a stretch. I, I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking, of course. <laughs> you know, the, the the whole world's against us. No, um, it was definitely people who who have not been um, a part of the football community in Australia doing that stuff. And it's people who just want to cause trouble. You know, you put on a music festival, it's those type of people that cause trouble. You put on a concert, you put on any sort of event that's outdoors, indoors, you know, in a club, in a pub, whatever. It's those sort of people that cause issues and they're always going to cause issues. It's not A-League fans or active support. I would like to echo those calls from Christian that there was some people who are, I know from a part of the Cove and also the mm. RBB who were also calling out that type of behaviour. In fact, a few that managed to get up the front for you know their viewing pleasure actually left their spots, went all the way around the back, moved into the middle of the pack where most of the troublemakers were there and told them, hey, put them away, either hold them or, or put them away, and actually sort of reprimanded them and pointed them out to some of the organizers. So I really want to thank those guys for doing that. Yeah, just to add to that very quickly, um, you know, they were throwing... So after Australia went 2-0 down, first of all, uh, fans started leaving, which I was really, really upset about. And I actually called out to quite a few and said, there's half an hour to go, support your fucking country. Uh, um, you know, it's... it's a little bit ridiculous, I, I felt, at that stage. And then we actually got back into the game, so it was kind of funny. But also, um, you know, throwing flares at the screen, at the actual screen, um, and bottles were being thrown at the screen, and there was actually some damage just kind of around the screen there at Federation Square. The Fireys did a great job. Um, they were in a kind of tower that was adjacent to the screen and, and putting it out as much as possible. But, yeah, it wasn't a good look, um, that little period there that was going on. And if I was Fed Square looking at it, um, I would be a little bit kind of hesitant to maybe host an event like this again. I, I don't know. It, it would be hard. Uh, I don't think they're going to be hesitant to host an event like that again. They'll be cautious, but well, I know it's done a but, lot for but them. But there was property damage done there, right? So that that that's that's the thing that is important. It's a risk um, you take. It's not good. I'm not condoning it, but no, no. I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, do they, are they going to take reward. that risk again? Are they going to take that risk again? Um, I, I, I think, think they, they do. Well, I think they should. Yeah, I agree with you, but you know, it's. That there was some damage there done, but anyway, regardless, um, Jack, because you are on a short uh time limit here, you've got to go. Uh, you just joined us briefly to start this pod. Just give your brief thoughts, brief, brief thoughts on the actual game itself, and then I'll let you go, mate. Um, yeah, thanks for that. Um, look, the game itself, I thought that we played so well. Let's not forget coming into this tournament, we were 38th ranked in the world. Um, and we came up against the third best team in the entire planet. And you know what we did in that first half? Besides Messi just being Messi, we actually forced him to come back and collect the ball 
which is what Saudi Arabia did when they took a victory of Argentina. Um, Argentina, sorry, Argentina. Um, and I really liked the shape we played in that first half. It was boring. It was negative, but I really liked the lineup that he Arnie put out. And if it wasn't for a little bit of messy brilliance, uh, we would have had into that halftime nil all and had the wind in our sails. Um, look, I feel for Matt Ryan for, for that mistake because, look, we all knew coming into this tournament he hadn't played a lot of minutes for Copenhagen. I think that's just a little bit of rust. And, you know, it just happens to be at the biggest tournament in the world. And I feel really feel for him, um, you know, for that mistake, especially considering that Craig Goodwin scored a very good goal. Um, it was deflected. But when he came on and Qual came on, um, the game changed. And if it wasn't for a few minute details in the first half and second half, Australia were viable against the third best team in the world. Let's echo that again. We are viable against the third best team in the world. We are competitive at this level. And you know what? About 75% of those players either plays or has come through an A-League club. And that's, Mm. You know, if we're talking about what we're going to name this generation, why not we name it the A-League generation? Because mm. I can't think of a better way to to highlight how far Australian football has come domestically since the golden generation has come and passed. Because whilst we've seen the A-League in bad times and in good times, it is continually developed in a way that is now really starting to, to produce some potentially world-class talent. Um, that has gone to this World Cup and some that who weren't selected and some that may be off into Europe after this tournament. Let's not forget um, there's a few players in that squad that might get some big moves considering their form. Absolutely. Uh, that's yep. about all I want to say on the game. Yeah, easy. And oh, just the yep. whole experience. So yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on, boys. Really do appreciate it. Uh we, we've been able to catch Jack in his, in his in his break at work. That's that's it's it's just yeah. fantastic that this is this is how. Uh, it make sure you you keep an eye on the youth in focus series because it's uh it's taken <laughs> off. We've got women's yes. and men's content coming right at you. So absolutely, uh, check that out on um, frontpagefootball.net. All right, I'm out of here. All right, easy. Um, we uh let's let's take a quick break, and uh, then me and Cody are going to come back talk a bit more about the game and uh, echo some of the stuff that Jack was talking about just then around uh, what this means for for the game and the A League uh, moving forward, which we've kind of done in every single reaction podcast so far. But uh, you know, fuck it, why not? Uh, let's talk a little bit more about it. Okay, so Jack touched on it there before uh, before he had to go. The game itself, uh, 2-1, of course, was how it finished. The the GOAT, um, I guess. I, I, I'd probably call him the GOAT, um, unless there's unless you're a Ronaldo fanboy. But um, you know, Lionel Messi with a with a bit of a moment of magic to to open the scoring. You think at that point that although Australia had been really solid in the first half an hour, and actually, particularly from about the 15 to 30 minute mark, I felt we were really comfortable. Um, it was quite bizarre. Like it was almost Argentina weren't that, um, you know, intent to like really press high and actually take the ball of us. They were kind of comfortable with us having the ball for a little period there. 
Um, and it was great to actually kind of have it and take the sting out of the defensive side. But then, in my opinion, I think Bayich gives away uh, a bit of a stupid free kick. And then they work the ball nicely. Uh, and Messi is the one who initiates it, of course. Um, and I think, though, if I look back at the replay, McGree does seem to kind of lose him. Uh, that's his man. And, and, and he loses the run. But it's obviously a world-class finish uh, through Harry Suter and, and Ryan's got no chance. Uh, I think people, you got to understand how hard that is when when the ball is goes under a defender like that for a keeper. Um, so it, it's it's a great strike. And then, of course, we do have, though, Matty Ryan at fault for for a, for a pretty, you know, pretty embarrassing second goal. Um, and although, you know, you could argue, well, should he have been put in that position in the first place. I'd argue, you know, there wasn't much Bayich and Rolls could have done. They were getting pressed. They had to kind of play the ball backwards. Um, and when that ball comes to Ryan, I think he's just got to boot it out to Rose Ed uh, and continue to throw in, something like that. That's fine. Uh, he takes the touch, allows Julian Alvarez to get in, and then it's and then it's 2-0. Um, but since that second goal, and there was about just a brief five-minute period where then the game was just kind of lulling and, and Argentina was just stroking it around. You're like, okay, so it's kind of done maybe and it's probably going to, it could end three or four nil, like, you know, which is which would be just demoralizing because I don't feel like we deserve that based on that first kind of half an hour. And then Craig Goodwin just pulls this strike out of his ass, uh, which takes like a crazy deflection and goes in the bottom corner and like literally... The, the place, def- definitely Fed Square anyway, goes like from literally like a kind of somewhat of a morgue to like, you know, bang, like limbs and everything. Um, and the place is going uh, off. Um, it's 2-1. A minute later, I, I want to say a minute later or so, as this beige goes on a crazy run, um, which, as I was saying before, almost gave me a heart attack uh, and he almost makes it to all. And then Australia just keep coming. They keep coming. Suter get, goes basically plays as a centre forward um, at the end, which is fair enough. And then Garen Kowal almost gave me my second near heart attack of the game by by almost scoring. And when you actually look back on it on the replay, um, you know, Emmy Martinez, it, it's a good save, but it's weird when the perspective of the replay makes it look like he got a hand to it, but it went through him and it was going in. And uh, just for a second, you felt like, oh, my God, uh, the place was just going to explode. And, um, yeah, just it, it was just a crazy end, a crazy end to the game. And you saw the Argentinian players, the way that they were getting around Martinez with that save. Like, they were panicked at the end. Like, they really felt like, holy shit, these guys are coming. These guys are coming. They could actually get an equalizer. Um, Cody, really, a, a game which seemed destined for a comfortable Argentina win just turned on its head. I think you just covered the whole game there in like the space. Of I did. Minutes. I, I did. I covered the whole games because now we can pick it apart uh, piece by piece. Um, and maybe it was well, just a weird look, flex. I don't know. Look, <laughs> nice monologue. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go back to the start with that brief um, ten twenty minutes where mm. we kind of looked like we were doing doing pretty well. There was there was a period of that match probably between the twentieth minute to just before when. Messi open the scoring where we looked like we were dominating. We needed to score. We needed to take a, a chance in that period. I feel like once we were kind of moved that, once Argentina got their opener, as sad as it sounds, that was kind of it for us. We were doing well to hold out. Yeah, sure. Bayich, stupid foul, maybe. Um, Maybe he did kind of rattle Messi a little bit two minutes before that. Oh, yeah. Kind of got in his face. That was the, so that was the first but, time I saw like one of our players actively trying to get under 
an opposition player's skin. And I didn't like it though. Like I understand, I get it. Like, you know, Messi became the pantomime villain on the day, like literally at Fed Square. Whenever Messi came up on the screen, there was like a chorus of boos. Um, and I'm sure like some of those people in the crowd, even uh, you know, football followers probably follow, you know, a bit of Barcelona. Yeah, look, and, if I said some Messi, of the but... things that were said at Darling Harbour about Messi and Diego Maradona, I probably shouldn't. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, very, very interesting. Um, and, and even I saw some videos from, from Adelaide Oval as well. Uh, some of the charts were, were pretty funny. But um, in terms but, um, of... What I was going to say, to yeah. be fair, you said we haven't seen it in the tournament. We've spoken about this on another podcast where I said this is probably the match to do it because it's not about rattling Messi. It's about rattling the other people around him. But it backfired, thing is, in that what, But Yeah, but it backfired. And this is what I'm going to get into right now where I kind of said we hadn't really done it yet and I thought it was a good thing because we were showing how calm we were and that we weren't going to be rattled by any kind of quality. Yet, Bayich, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe there was like a little plan to kind of get under Messi's skin. I don't think he was really like, you saw the Saudi Arabia players when they tried to do a Ukes. I think you were talking about that in the last pod as well. And it was kind of like, he's not really, Messi doesn't really respond to that sort of thing. Like he's not going to bite back. He just kind of gets on with it. Um, he's, he's more of a timid kind of personality like that. And, See, in this and, instance, he looked like he was biting back at Beige. No, but, but he, he didn't bite back with words. He he brought back with his fucking football. Um, and the the way he just kind of gets on the ball. And I think... <coughs> my apologies. I think that his ability to go from 0 to 100 in like two seconds is, is something that is so unique to him. And I think they were mentioning it in the game how... Messi's walked the most out of any player in the tournament was because he does his work in such short, quick, sharp increments, right? He drifts. He, he drifts around the field. That's essentially how it works. But um, <clears throat> honestly, the biggest thing we're taking away from this game, I understand we lost. I understand we got knocked out of a World Cup. It's not a great feeling, but when you look at it in context, that first goal was probably what killed us out of the game. And it took a moment of magic from the greatest player of all time to do it. So uh, you can't be too disappointed, I guess. But it, it is frustrating because we we did have we did have him held back. We gave him half inch of space, which you can't do with a player like that. But you also do need to understand the fact that you're probably not going to hold him out for ninety minutes. So the fact that in that first in that like I mentioned that twenty minute not twenty minute from that twenty minutes to when. Yep. They scored. We did need to take a chance in there. We needed to create something. And I've seen some people say it. Um, so I don't know if not I agree. necessarily within Australia, but overseas. But I'm waiting. Yeah. That's the point I want to make. Yeah. A lot of people said overseas, the biggest thing that killed us today was we're a nation that does rely heavily on crosses. And I said pieces in our crosses were poor today. Yeah. Yeah. That was, and it, it, it sucks because this is the biggest moment that we have. And we didn't, and we couldn't deliver in those moments. And I think that's the part that kind of irks me a little bit where. Mm. You know, we've had this really amazing run, but there is still that feeling that we haven't, we didn't really, yeah, no, hit it, the heights that we could to at a consistent on a consistent basis. Yeah, well, it's it's funny because <laughs> it's interesting how going in the tournament we're talking about. Oh, this squad is kind of so devoid, not so devoid. I don't want to put it like that, but you know, it, it's just doesn't have the same quality. And set pieces are going to be our main avenue. Not only did all four of our goals come from open play, but we didn't look like scoring from a set piece much at all um, throughout the tournament, which was kind of like, it's just a bizarre sort of, you know, um, uh, how do you call it? Like a, 
Yeah, like just. just I don't I, I, look. I don't yeah. know about you because you're from South Australia, mm. but I wasn't expecting Greg Craig Goodwin to have the tournament that he did. So that probably does play into it a little bit too. Well, I didn't expect it because I felt maybe Arnie wouldn't have used him as much as he did, and I think because we probably expect the ball to start on the right, like he's starting on the left. The boil injury obviously opens up. I would have thought Manil would be a key to start as well. Who Goodwin would still start even with Boyle? No, nah, Mabil. I thought he would have been probably more on to start. Yeah, but I, I did tell. I remember we were doing the, when we did the squad podcast, um, and and Matt. Yeah, and I was staunchly adamant that my bill would be. Oh no, and, I, yes. yeah, and um, I just you know I want to take this opportunity to rub that in for you, um, and also because Matt. Also, hey, I'm not complaining. Good Goodwin's lived up to the hype. I am. I am happy. <laughs> I am happy. I'm wrong. I'm happy. And Matt, Matt Olson. I will who, wear this egg on my face. Absolutely. And Matt Olson was obviously very adamant about my bill because he was so adamant about the experience thing. Um and uh, yeah, Mabil just by the end, like by the end, really great. Uh, Arnold didn't really trust Awer at all. Like you know, he that was a play he could have brought off the bench as well. Like uh, instead of maybe McLaren or or instead of Qual, but he brought on Qual instead, McLaren instead of Mabil, and he kind of just moved down the pecking order. Um, as as the games kind of went on, so it, it's a it's an interesting one there. Um, and I think that that so on on what you said about you know, we had to take advantage of that period. I, I disagree. I think what what was important for Australia, I said it going in, I think it was important for Australia in every game of this tournament was first 15 minutes is huge. They have to see out the first 15 and then go from there. If they can get a goal, great. If not, it's not a big deal, right? They did that well today. It was interesting because the first 10 minutes, Argentina were just in our half. And although there was nothing being created, you're just kind of like, well, like, fuck, Okay, it's, it's going to be one of these games where we're literally doing this for 95 minutes. Um, and then I told you, like, it was weird. Moy just started to dictate the game a bit more and Australia controlled proceedings with possession for about a good 15, 20 minutes. But although I agree with you in one sense where I, I would have liked Australia to be a, a bit more aggressive in that period to actually look to play forward, to look to, you know, get particularly McGree, like in some dangerous areas, in pockets, in between the lines, things like this. And I think that... There was probably a little bit too much of a, you know, direct approach with Mitch Duke that was used in, in that period too. But um, I, I get why as well, because they defended really hard and really, you know, doggedly at the start. And having the ball is just a really nice, you know, icebreaker to conserve energy and to just kind of calm things down and to feel the occasion and just grow into it and relax a little bit. So I didn't really mind it from that point of view either. Um, and had Australia gone into nil all at half time then who knows, you know, second half, what could have happened. But the goal, uh, the first goal was always going to be just absolutely massive in that game, particularly when you consider how Argentina failed, uh, well, yeah, failed to respond when they went behind to Saudi Arabia in, in, in that game there. You know, once once they're chasing a game, they they don't look like a team that's, that's you know, as well equipped as maybe other top sides to come from behind. And two things I want to point out there. You said it'd be good to go in the half nil all. Imagine if we went in the half one nil. See, so, yeah, but I, yeah, but then it kind of puts a target on your back a little bit as well. It you puts a target I mean? on your back, but you said you said it yourself. When Argentina go behind, they struggle. Yeah, no, true, true. But then if you, what I mean is, if you go, if you go in front, I understand in, what you mean because it's given them more time to get back in the game. But the way I right. see it, we have no, that no, period oh, sorry, of domination. No, no, what, hang on, hang on. What I was going to get, sorry, before before I let you uh, back in a sec, but. What I meant, what I meant more was, if you score in the you know thirty thirty seventh minute, obviously Argentina can go in at halftime. They can work out some tactical tweaks, and then they can use it get back in the game. You score in the sixty fifth, 
then that's panic station straight away for them. And it's like, we got to scramble to the bench. We've got to change that. And then before you know it, they do something that's incoherent, whatever. You pick them apart, you can get a second or, you know, it just doesn't work out for them. So that was kind of what I was getting at. But yeah, as you were saying. Yeah, no, look, I understand that. But from our point of view, at least, if we've got that period of domination, we don't know how long it's going to last for. We don't know if we're going to get that period again in the game. And we didn't until at a time, which we'll kind of fortunately there was seven minutes of. But we had that period of domination. We that was our chance to take advantage of it because we weren't going to get a moment like that. We weren't going to get a period of time like that for the rest of the match. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point because had it stayed, you know, nil all um, going to the 70th minute or so, then I guess what happened, what actually happened in the game where we were pushing forward and pushing numbers forward at the end, Argentina actually would have been doing that. And of course, that's that's dangerous. Although a counter to that would be that Australia have looked pretty good in transition this tournament that's obviously been their main kind of not, maybe not their main source of goals but you know that that, that they're very good at um you know kind of working through a high press a little bit and then you know going direct with duke using him to kind of lay the ball off and then going from there as a as a as a, as a focal point so that, that's been good been, i mean so i can't think of a goal we scored that wasn't on a transition yeah i guess so i, I guess the I, I guess the goodwin goal wasn't really transition because that was a bit more no no I guess we 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 played it out right with Suta and then he's kind of just gone direct with Lecky so I guess that one but to be honest the first the uh, the two the Duke goal and the Lecky goal are transition because I was thinking about that today because obviously the Lecky goal is a pure just total counter attack goal right um, mm. whereas the Duke one is it is transition but it's more actually the 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 brilliance of Australia and actually breaking down a, a high press from Tunisia that which was actually really really impressive with that goal as well. But um, also, just Argentina, and I know, you know, we'll probably, I'm sure Jeremy might talk about this uh, on our World Cup podcast a little bit, but like, you know, they're pretty poor, like, as well. I really wasn't, and, and you know, you're kind of looking at it and thinking, like, if Messi's not here, like, this is this is kind of, they're there for the taking, with, you know, for, for us. I, I honestly felt that if, if he wasn't, you know, and the fear factor that he brings uh, to the game wasn't there, then I think, you know, we might have had a pretty good chance, to be honest, of going through. Look, look, if there's one thing I could probably say about this Argentina side, they're probably running more on emotion than natural talent. There's some players that aren't coming into the World Cup on good form. Emmy Martinez, he's a brilliant keeper, but probably not the best time at Aston Villa over the start of this season. Maybe He's prone to mistakes. Year, I'll say that, yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, Marcos Acuna at Sevilla, another one that's um, not playing too well at club level. Uh, Papo Gomez and that's a VSI too. Not doing too well himself. It is a bit more running on emotion, and that's probably what worried me with that first loss against Saudi Arabia, aware of how that could affect him going through. For anyone that doesn't know, Argentina is my pick to win the tournament, purely just on an emotional factor where everyone's kind of buy- everyone in their squad is kind of buying into we want to do this for Lionel Messi. And I think yeah. as you go through, it's something that I've noticed with world champions in the past where they probably don't always start as well as what they should. But as you go through the tournament, as you go on, sometimes it does take a probably piss poor victory to evoke a proper response from you to actually start performing well. I look at France at the last World Cup. Throughout the group stage, they were horrible. They started having friendlies with um, club teams um, in Russia and they weren't even winning them just to try and get some minutes in, try and work out some things. They They were struggling. That group stage, they looked really poor. Even against us, we were probably lucky that we didn't get a point against. Unlucky we didn't get a point against them. 
but then they moved into the round 16. They played Argentina then, where they had that 4-3 win. Um, bit topsy-turvy game. But moving on with that, they didn't look like they were going to be beaten. Spain in 2010, they started with the 1-0 loss against Switzerland. Not the best result, but they built from that. They um, swept the rest of the group stage away. They stuck to their, stuck to their principles, but they made sure they were clinical. Mm. That's, that's that's football, man. It's look, yeah, look, look. I, I don't, so. And and uh, obviously, I want to talk a bit more. Of course, just focus this on the Socceroos. But I'll just mention this about Argentina. I think, although I agree with your point around, yeah, they want to do it for Messi and stuff like that. I don't know if there there's enough talent around Messi to do that for him in comparison to other teams. And I think that what we started to see today was actually he was kind of doing everything a little bit for them. Um, Look, and there's natural talent Frustratingly, there. I think at the end that, you know, when Australia, basically, I actually saw a stat today. I think it was Aussie Scout uh, on Twitter. And he mentioned that to the 88th minute, uh, Argentina had only created 0.45 XG, which was actually a really impressive stat of how solid Australia were. But then obviously we threw numbers forward. And the chances in the space opened up for them. And uh, Lataro Martinez just couldn't finish his dinner at all. Um, and, you know, that 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 would frustrate me if I was Messi uh, because they could have just Look, had it. You're talking about a low-quality side that scored two goals with half a goal of XG. That's 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 not a bad return. you got to think about it that way. Uh, yeah, they were also given, like, the biggest helping hand of all time by Matt Ryan. So. Yeah, look, we can touch on that a bit <laughs> later. But the thing is... There's natural talent in that in that Argentina side. I don't think you can deny the natural quality that they have. They are there are good players in that team. Are they playing well? Probably not as much as what they should be. But like that um, Argentina France round sixteen game was so pivotal for France's run moving into the rest of the tournament. This is probably moving on. Argentina are going to play three high quality games now. And no offense to us as a nation, we probably aren't as good at, on paper at least as the Netherlands and Brazil. So no, of course, but I tell you, we we would this this yeah. was this was probably going to be Argentina's banana skin, where they might be lulled into a false sense of reality, um, reality where maybe they'll drop their standards against us, which they did. They almost paid the price for it, but I think this would be another wake, another mini wake up call for them to go. Yep, we know what we need to do to win games. Now we're going to really kick on, and I'd be worried if I was a Netherlands fan because I think this Argentina side moving forward is going to be pretty scary. Yeah, I don't know. I disagree. Uh, I wasn't really impressed at all. Uh, seriously, I, I, I don't know. I just. Think oh, I'm not saying I was impressed. I'm just saying I think yeah. this is going to be a motivating factor. Yeah, yeah, no, potentially. And I think that maybe Australia. I, I agree that they're not going to be the same uh, task as Brazil, Netherlands, but they do offer a different challenge for a team like Argentina, and that might harder them as tournament goes over. I think mentally, you know, we all know it. That Argentina thought this was, you know, they were looking to the quarterfinals already. They knew this was kind of in the bag, this sort of thing, as is the case. Look, but the one person that probably wasn't looking at it that way was the one person that needed to turn up today, and that was yeah, Lionel Messi. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's why he's that's why he's you know arguably the goat. That's so, why he's as good as he is. That's we, true, we got right? a front we got a front row seat to the greatest player of all time today, and if that's not something that we can kind of take away from this game, we we got we got to we got to praise something like that at the end of the day. Nah, nah, fuck him. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I'll, I'll actually share a little personal story. I don't know who this bloke was, but some random guy who probably is some t- bloke on TikTok um, <laughs> came up to me and started just asking random questions with a microphone in my face. And he, he started he started bringing up all these things about Messi, and he's like, "Oh, he missed his chance, yada yada yada." And he's like, "Oh yeah, bro, no, screw Messi." And I, I said it to him, "I'm like, look, ninety minutes, 
I'm I'm going for it. I will say unspeakable things about Messi. Um, <laughs> for that ninety minutes, he's the opposition. I, I will hammer him as much as I can. Hmm. But outside of it, you got to pay respect to a player like that. Like he he's oh. he's fantastic. He he's, absolutely. He's a dream, absolute joy to oh, watch. For, for, I, I tell you, for the narrative, I've always said Messi's better than Ronaldo, and I always stick by it. I really don't care if Ronaldo wins this World Cup. I honestly say that, uh, and and I stick by that. Uh, and I wanted to win it so that all Ronaldo fanboys can shut up uh, as well. So uh, uh, whether it's Ronaldo fanboys, Messi, they're, they're all fucking stupid. <laughs> on oh, both sides yeah, of the they're, they're like you know, they're, fucking weird. There's this like real fucking... staunch group on either side that yeah. piss me the fuck off. Wait, are you, talk, are, you about both, are you talking about both Ronaldo and Messi fanboys or just Ronaldo yes. fanboys? <laughs> yes, oh, yeah, no, no. Like, it's, like, it's like two weird cults. Like, that, like yeah. that's what it's like. <laughs> um, and I don't know. We might have to start like a... If Garang Qual like just keeps on this trajectory, are we going to have like a weird like, you know, Qual fanboy like cult? Oh, well? I'll, I'll be ahead of that. I yeah. Hate <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope, by the way, let, let's talk about that as well. Massive moment. So Garang Qual comes on and by the way, and I'm going to link a lot of this stuff back to the Fed Square because it was just fascinating how you know how the crowd was reacting to everything and stuff. It's always really interesting. That that guy is loved everywhere. Like you could tell. Like he, as soon as he was running onto the pitch when the sub came up uh, on the screen, like it was like, yep, yeah, Garang. Everyone's applauding. Everyone's cheering. Everyone wanted him in the game. And I think if there is a criticism of Arnie, and look, he's been, uh, you know much flaws as a manager like this tournament you have to say apart from maybe the france game he's got a lot of things right and he has to respect for that but i would say that in these moments where australia have been challenged and they need to do something his subs have probably came come a little bit later than than probably what people wanted um and i would have liked Look, to i see think the only reason why that yeah. might be a bit unfair in this game was because he was going to make the subs at one nil and then that's true what happened with matt ryan happened no no that's true but i what i'm saying is like uh so when did well, second goal goes in in the 57th minute. Yeah. So, actually, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, you're right. So, um, I was... I was yeah, he had the intention, at least. Like, I was just going down. I, I understand that criticism from the France game. He should have made those subs a lot earlier when we still had yeah. a chance to get back into the game. Yeah. He, he, he tried to do that this time, and then he just slipped that a little bit further as he was making it. I, I will I will uh, praise him for, um, you know, not making any change at halftime. Like, I think... There were a couple of people around me saying, oh, you know, 1-0 down, like we need to go for it. Like, no, nah, not necessarily. It's still 1-0. You're in the game. It's very viable. You know, there's no need to really deviate too much from the plan. Uh, but obviously, all it meant was, okay, it's a bit of cat and mouse. And at some point, you know, we're going to have to go for it and we're going to open up. And that's it. The second goal was a real killer. Um, and that was because it was just so self-inflicted was really the real bummer. But I mean, let's talk about that last 20 minutes because first of all, Goodwin just so first of all Australia obviously pass the numbers forward they they start to get just more crosses in the box uh so just the age old way of just increasing pressure right um and 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 just you know getting closer to scoring well let's just put numbers in the box and fucking get the ball in there fair enough um but the goal comes from like literally like the second or third phase from from the, a barrage of crosses from Australia and then Goodwin, like that that ball is actually going so far off target. And and Antonis will not want me to say this, but that is and it was recorded as an own goal, but that's it's it's just like an own goal. Like you can't, you know, and, and Antonis has uh, been adamant with me all day about uh, you know, it's Craig Goodwin, it's Craig Goodwin's goal, uh, and you shut the fuck up, it's Craig Goodwin's goal. Um uh, but <laughs> it's uh you know, it, we get a lucky deflection there. Um and then the Bayage chance, as I said. Like that two minute stretch was like to go from it's probably the fastest I think I've ever gone as a football fan from 
like complete this game's over right off to oh my god like are we in the quarters in like are we going to the quarters like what the hell is happening look if there's one thing i can say about the goodwin goal you don't buy a ticket you don't win the raffle yeah he, he might, that might, that shot might have been heading for the stands it might be heading for Ray Z, but we got a bit of luck from it and look that's football you need a bit of luck sometimes so Absolutely. definitely not complaining and full credit to goodwin for at least having the confidence to give it a go from there it's what, we, it's what we need in those moments. At the end of the day, you're 2 nil down. What you're doing is not working. You've got a bit of space at the edge of the box. Have a hit. Fuck it. Go for it. Yeah. I'm not complaining. And look, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, just a caveat. Uh, you can probably tell my voice is still quite nasally um, and uh, has been on the last podcast as well. So still not feeling the best. Uh, and obviously yelling at the screen at Federation Square for the last 20 minutes probably doesn't help either. Uh, but yeah, you know, you do what you do. And uh, what about Aziz Bayich though? Because you were talking a little bit off air about him and how, you know, I actually said before the tournament, uh, you pro- I probably it's probably on tape somewhere about like uh, Bayich is kind of our left back because we don't really have anyone else. Um, and Bayich is a good option at left back, but he, I know, and he's kind of just turned it'd be good if we had option. some competition for him, but. Yeah. Well, Jason he, he knows how to do a job, and he's a very, very good attacking fullback. And I think that's an aspect of his game that's gone underrated until this tournament. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. I think uh, his he's actually like he he's done this before. I can't remember. I think it was actually it might have been a goal he scored for Dundee, or maybe a chance he had for Dundee early this season, where he actually went on a bit of a amazing run as well. I, I can't remember off off the it top didn't of my head. Denmark game, or was it the ah? There we go. He did, he did it in Denmark game too. He went on a nice little run. I don't know yeah, if he yeah, went for a shot yeah. himself at the end or try to cut it back, but yeah, yeah, the, guy can, yeah. the guy can move the ball around. Yeah, no, no. Like he's got this weird ability to actually just go on these mazy runs. Um, so yeah, I think I think he really grew as the tournament went on. Um, and he I, I actually with him as well, you look at the Denmark game and I remember in that first 10 minutes where him and Dejanek were really struggling and he, he got that yellow card, which probably, you know, was probably a harsh yellow card, but, and it was like, geez, you know, he's struggling here, he's struggling, but then he kind of grew into the game and probably the same thing happened today where, you know, he, he with the goal there, you know, maybe he shouldn't, you know, try and bang Messi and blah, 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 whatever. And then second half and that like resurgence at the end, I mean, that was all left side mainly as well from Australia too. It was all Goodwin, Bayich. And and Moy recycling, get it back out there, cross it in, recycle, cross, recycle, cross. And um, you know, the 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 pressure was really impressive. Harry Suter as a nine uh, was probably something that we that we all wanted to see at some point. Um so great, great for vibes. to see that. Oh, just for vibes. vibes, clearly. Yeah. Um as well. So that was good. That was good. Uh and I think, you know, come we come away with it with just an enormous, enormous sense of pride for this team. I mean, I, I, I was just over the moon with with the fact that, but I'm always, you know, as much as it was just incredible to get out of the group stage, you, you kind of you don't want to get thrashed in the round of sixteen. You still want to go out on a highish, right? Uh, and the fact that we could have easily taken that extra time um, with with just some, you know, uh, just a better finish from Qual really at the end, maybe, uh, and and. Maybe some better. Could you ask for a much better finish than that, though? I, I think he. No, I think what I think it's a tough one because he's. He kind was of an off... armpit away from scoring. Like, no, no, I know, I know. Um, like if if you're being like really, really harsh, like really harsh, you could say 
can he take an extra touch, compose himself, then hit it? Or in terms of, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm just, you know, <laughs> he trying, doesn't to, trying have time. to. No, th- but then the other option would be, I think it was Karacic who was behind him. Would you lay it back maybe to Karacic and he just comes no. in and thumps it? I don't know. The defenders a- that are coming on his side, he passes it back to Karacic. I think it was Hristic, actually. Maybe it's Suddenly the defenders well, are in front of the ball as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Garan so, had no other choice but to bring that ball down and have a shot. Yeah. And one thing that everyone's going on about, oh my God, he almost scored, he almost scored. It was a pretty brilliant touch to bring the ball down in the first place too. I think that's something that he's not getting enough credit I for. Actually, no, I actually think what was impressive is his his strength there because he kind of just, I don't know, was it Acuna? It probably would have been. Um, Tagliafico. Oh yeah, Tagliafico, yeah. So, and he kind of just... probably butchered that pronunciation. Yeah, you did, you did. And you're meant to be like the Spanish one. So that's pretty, yeah, no, that's, that's pretty, pretty fucking cool. From, yeah. Um, and... <laughs> Quola kind of just disposed of him and then he uh, almost scored. But I mean, think about it, right? And and I've just been thinking about it all day. Like that place. You there, know what? We yeah. had a very, very big debate about how you classify a world-class player. Tagliafico. I butchered that again. Shit. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? You are you are letting down your your Spanish ancestors. I oh, am an Argentinian, mate. I'm Spanish. I'm not Argentinian. speak Spanish. What the hell? That's a different kind of Spanish. Yeah. Anyway, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's their own version of Spanish. Um, he is a world class player, and that's something that you can't deny. He's been playing at one are you, of the are highest you, Are you getting all like bitchy because I said that Matthew Lecky at Hertha Berlin wasn't a world class player? No, 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 no. But I, I do highly disagree with that still. But that is a world class player. That is a world class defender right there. For Grand Kowal to make him look like a bit of a mug and push him to the side and bring a ball down like that around him with someone like that. This guy's made the semifinals of the Champions League and part of an Ajax side that really could have gone on to make the final of that, that, that Champions League run that they had a few years back. He was a key cog in that um, side as well. For Grand Kowal to have that composure and skill around to to pull that touch off, to push, um, I'm not going to push that name again, to push him off the ball as well, that that's crazy to me. This is an 18 year old kid playing his second World Cup. He's played two World Cup games in his career against France and Argentina. These two games could very well be the former champions and the future champions. And he's it's just like he's playing around with his mates. The, the composure on this kid is insane. And I think that is going to be what defines him as a footballer as well. Because everyone's sitting there going, "Oh, how's this? Like, it's a big chance that he's missed. It may, hopefully, that doesn't dent his confidence." The happy is Argentina. He missed a very unlucky chance, which he did brilliant to be in the first place. Moved on from that. Now he's coming to this A-League season. The, the kid's unplayable. He's going to have, he's had that opportunity now. And I know what, you know what he's like. He's going to sit there and he's going to fixate on the fact that he missed that shot. And now he's going to go to Newcastle Jets this weekend. And oh, he's, watch his he's going, he's going to Newcastle Jets. He's going, he's going, he's going cross town. He's going to go to Newcastle Jets with the Mariners in the oh. F3 derby. Fuck yeah, to play. Sorry, I thought I thought you were mistakenly. <laughs> coming I, back I thought you weekend, mistakenly. We're gonna watch Newcastle. these plays again week in week out. No, I know, but I thought you mistakenly said Newcastle Jets instead of Newcastle United, and I thought any Novacastrians who are listening to this podcast were gonna be like, "Wait, we hang on, <laughs> we signed any Novacastrians <laughs> that listen to this podcast. Be prepared for what Graham Call is gonna do to you guys this weekend, <laughs> because if you know how this kid reacts, <laughs> you guys are you no. Guys I, are I agree. Ninety minutes of hell. I, yeah, I totally agree. It, it, it doesn't seem like it's in his personality to fixate on that. Uh, he plays with no fear. We know what he's like. Uh, no, no, and... not, not necessarily he doesn't fixate on it, but he fixates fixates on it in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, That true. it brings yeah. out the best in him still. But I don't know. I don't know. No, I get what you're saying, but I don't know. I think he's kind of like the type of player who 
plays with so much freedom that he'll... Oh, yeah. That... Like, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Where it's not so much he's so strategic. That's what I'm trying to say too. No, but what I mean is I don't think he's strategic where it's like he'll... He won't go out there and like work on that type of finish or anything and be like, I have to get this right. He'll do whatever comes naturally again when he gets faced with hmm. that scenario. That that's kind of what but I mean. I mean yeah. about it in more of a motivating sense. Yeah, yeah. What I was just gonna say though is that I'll say, I've been thinking about it all day and just the 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 moment of you know, Kowal, the the young the young wonder kid that we that we have our, our prized possession our our shining light who's about to go you know to the, to the premier league elite scoring an equalizer against Lionel messi's argentina you know to to, to potentially help put us in it like that the whole narrative around that and if that 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 actually was pulled off would have just sent every freaking live site in the country to just absolute bonkers right um and and to think about that all day has just been like like, oh, what could have been? What could have been? Seriously. Look, it's like so we're kind of thinking about it that way because I don't want the whole discourse about to be yeah. about him to be, oh, he almost scored that chance. The guy's a brilliant player. The guy is going to have so many moments in the future that we're going to be able to talk about. So hope there's so much in the A-League that he's done already that we can talk about. So hopefully people who don't remember him, even for the short term, as, oh, that guy that almost scored against Argentina because there's so many things that he has done. So I don't know. That's, yeah, that's my think, kind of little take on it. Yeah, I think you mentioned discourse there, and so Jack mentioned it before, and he said he used the term which I thought was really interesting that this generation should be called the A League generation, and that kind of now leads into the discourse around what this this run means for for the A League and for the development of A League players who now we are seeing are going on and becoming soccerers and whether you think that they're playing in you know for good enough clubs or good enough leagues in Europe the fact of the matter is you know we had a few few players like Keanu Bacchus you know Cameron Devlin uh, Kai Rolls these sorts of guys who haven't been abroad for that long who were made in the A-League and in definitely in Rolls and Bacchus's case have contributed to what is you know the you know, def- definitely the equal second best uh, World Cup performing side um, at at a World Cup. You know, for 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 Australia. So, just just you know, shine a light on that a little bit. Then, like, what does it mean for the league now that we've had a squad that is so heavily influenced by the domestic competition? And what does it mean for it now coming back? It means nothing if we don't put any action into it moving forward. Agreed. The biggest thing that we've got to do now, we've shown the general population that watching the football can be a jolly old time. If we don't market this properly and go, hey, look, if you had a fun time here, imagine actually being at a game, then it, it's it's all been for nothing. And that's it's probably the most disappointing part of it, but it could also be the best part of it because mm. we've got to think as well. Before this World Cup, we were talking about Australian football being in complete disarray and there's yeah. a lot that needs to be changed. That hasn't changed. There's still a lot of negative aspects of Australian football that need addressing. And a lot of people said, oh, not making a World Cup will be what forces the FA to make these changes. I'd argue doing this well at a World Cup will have the exact same effect because now it's like, hey, we've gone and made the round of 16 with, sorry, we've gone and made the round of 16 with 
a squad of players that six months ago weren't up to scratch to play for the to represent this country with a youth system that is relatively broken. We have heard comments from Paul Oakon saying we've had we have some of the best fifteen year olds in the in the world, but once they progress that past that age, there's not really any development opportunities to actually turn them into professional footballers. That's something that needs addressing still. That hasn't changed. But the fact that we as a nation, the two the two sides that we lost to are world class nations. There's look obviously there's these, there's these tiers in international football. You've got your Frances, your Argentinas, your Spains, your Brazils at the top, and in that second tier you've got probably like your Senegal's, your um Mexico's, your Denmark's. We've beaten nations in that tier, and given possibly the World Cup champions in a couple of weeks' time a good run for their money. If we can compete at that level with the issues that we had, imagine if we didn't have them. Imagine if we were producing quality footballers on a regular basis. Imagine if a 15-year-old could stay in Australia and progress into a world-class footballer. Imagine if we had uh, clubs that ha- were a bit more incentivized to promote youth and to develop young players. We've just had Brisbane Rock close down their academies. We're talking about mm. the a- this generation of A-League players that have been produced by A-League clubs. And now Br- Brisbane Raw have put it down in their chances of actually doing that themselves. There's so many issues that still need addressing. And I'm not talking... I know this is meant to be more about the A-League capturing like the fan experience of it and all that, but there's still so much that needs addressing in, in, in Australian football that if this isn't what inspires you to do it, nothing's going to. We have performed at the highest level in the best way we possibly could have with arguably one of the lowest quality sides that we had. I'd argue 2018's worse still, but to a lot of people, especially without any really big names, someone, I don't know who the dickhead was that wrote, oh yeah, look at the Socceroos, but who are these blokes? No one knew who these guys were. There's a lot of people in Australia that genuinely didn't know who these guys were, and I understand that. You, you know what's interesting? Now. You know what's interesting? Every every Australian knows Harry Suter now. For every example. Australian knows Harry Suter now. Every Australian hopefully knows Jackson Irvine now. Hopefully every Australian knows freaking Keanu Backers now. Yeah. Like, these, these guys have made a name for themselves, and like I said, this is with a plethora of issues still surrounding Australian football. So if the FA doesn't sit here and go, "Hey, look, we've got an opportunity to really piggyback off." A, a lot of momentum now going into Australian football. We can now increase it even further by introducing a second division, introducing a national youth league, whichever one comes first. I don't care. Just get one in as soon as possible. Doing stuff like that. Um, making games more accessible for fans. We've seen it in the Liberty A-League. They've got the Liberty Pass to make sure registered footballers at 16 and under can go to games free. Do something like that for the massive, the massive participating population in Australia playing football week in, week out, who probably were all there at Fed Square, at Darling Harbour, at whatever the hell they had going on in Brisbane and Adelaide. I don't know their lamb- I don't know their landmarks where they had it set up. Forgive okay, well, me, Adelaide, Adelaide, we actually sucks. had Adelaide Oval, which is one of the, you know, uh, pretty prominent cricket grounds on the country. So thanks, Cody. Um, I don't follow cricket. <laughs> the only reason I know Adelaide Oval is because they've had a couple Adelaide games at the grand final there. Otherwise, yeah. I, I really couldn't care less about cricket. The MCG, no, I, I don't mention it because of the cricket. It, it, hey, it's a fucking big venue. Holy shit. All right. Jesus. Anyway, yeah, I just don't like cricket. Clearly. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> it's a shit sport. All right. AFL and NRL, you know what? They're big sports. Yeah, cricket sucks. <laughs> but the thing is, we've got to do more to get fans into We've got a massive population of fans that were in Darling Harbour. 
give them the chance to make sure they can get down to games, uh, whether they just promote it or if they could have done something. Go, hey, look, if you were there, here's a little bit more extra motivation. Come to come to these games. I saw someone on Twitter saying, let's get the APL getting like you guys like Goodwin, Leckie, Duke, who scored and performed well in the sorry in the World Cup to promote to promote this. I was saying, hey, look, this is where we came from. Go out and support these guys. If the APL don't do something, whether it be the most minute little details that they can fix or whether they do something grand to address some really long-standing problems, then look, it has been for nothing. And I hate that I'm really harping on the negative because it is, it has been such a wonderful week, wonderful two weeks for Australian football. But no, you know what it is? is it's not, are... no, and it's not negative. What it is, is it's hope. Um, and that's it's what hope. this team is given. And I totally agree. I can't. And and forgive me to to the guy who actually made that tweet. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, uh, the user, but he, he, he yeah, is the one that you're talking about there around a, an ad campaign. Yeah, look, I said that just to make sure people didn't think it was my idea, and I get yeah, no, 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 no. I'd love, I'd love to give the guy credit. I, I um, just can't remember his user off the top of my head. But great, it was just a fantastic idea of getting basically Goodwin, Duke, Leckie, you know, all these guys who have been made in the A-League and that could be the slogan kind of thing or or something along the lines I of... I think they've you know, already tried that. They've, they're already putting that slogan out. This would be the perfect way to market it properly. Absolutely. And, and look, and, I'm, no, I'm no marketing genius. I, I, I studied HR, but... Okay, thanks. It, it's it's handed to you on a silver platter. Yeah, no, uh, it really is. And and being able to link... There's, there's never been a better time now to link this idea of the A-League contributing to national team success, which is now contributing to global success and making the round of 16 and, and pushing Lionel Messi's Argentina in the round of 16. And and I think the APL has done a good job uh, and we've seen it through like Keep Up and stuff, that platform throughout this tournament of really as much as possible trying to show that, you know, this is all from the A-League. It's the A-League and it's the, you know, and, and Matthew Leckie's story of how he, you know, was, was picked up basically from playing footy when he was a kid, but then he's turned and become pro footballer, you know, and, and this sort of stuff. But it can't stop now just because the Socceroos have stopped playing. It's got to keep going. It's got to be in people's faces. And it, it's important that it's, you know, it's shown on things like free-to-wear television, if, if possible, on Channel 10, on the main channel. That would be great. But more to the point, Cody, Cody and I think I may maybe um touched on it at the start, but I think this needs to be marketed to... People like Anika Wells, the sports minister, people like Anthony Albanese, state premiers, local MPs, also for an MPL perspective as well. They need to be shown, hey guys, you've got a sport in your backyard that although, yeah, the Socceroos did well and we all got around them, I'm telling you right now, a lot of those people at those live sites are not just bandwagons. In fact, they want they want to see, in my opinion, a a soccer league a football league that is thriving and that captivates them and that they want to go and watch their team every week. And, you know, being able to, you know, as Danny Townsend and the APL can now market to, you know, an, a, a Anika Wells and say, hey, look, you know, invest in this league because if you invest in this league, if you invest in infrastructure, this, that, and the other, then our national team is going to get better and it's going to be better for our country because look how much this team unites this country. I mean, it was it's just been insane to see the turnout at these live sites and to just see how much 
people want to get around the Socceroos. Like, and and I think Graham Muller was spot on when he said there's only two teams that unite the nation. Uh, yeah, that unite the na- two national teams that unite the nation, and those are the Matildas and the Socceroos. Uh, and, and we've seen that, and now we need to use it and harness it because we have a real chance to, you know, we, we've been gifted by this by this team and this coach who have worked so hard. We've been gifted. The, probably the best opportunity since you know since 2006 to really now push and grow the game and you mentioned the AFL stuff before you know they are petty and they have released their fixtures whatever at halftime of the game and you know what that tells me good because that means that we're coming we're on the rise and they're getting scared and if they want to get scared good let them get scared uh but you got to they look, I always get confused like with Code Wars. I think it's no. I think Code Wars are a little bit of a waste of time. No, no I agree. But what I'm saying is, it's a good it's if, a good indicator of that the fact that we must be training in the right direction. Uh, but I, I agree. I, I don't want to get into you know let's oh, let's it's, back it's, it'll anything. be a few people yeah. at the top. I do understand where you're coming from, but I think there's a lot of fans in the AFL as well that could probably easily be converted to football fans without leaving their own sport. Uh, like I said, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not a Code War thing for me. Yeah. We can all coexist. But yeah, I think I mentioned there's that a lot point. more. Yeah. But there's a lot more ground for right now for football to grow. And, you know, I, I will compare it to the AFL. They do get very, very good crowds week in, week out. Mm. But what, from what we saw this weekend, there's no reason why we can't strive to, I'm not saying beat that, but match it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I think that's a probably a, very much a long-term vision. Um, long-term um, vision, of course, but... Yeah, yeah, of course. The, it's, it, the building boss got to start now. No, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and this stuff needs to be in people's faces right away. Like, right away. I, like, starting tomorrow, you know, get something out. And that's where I think people yeah. like Anika Wells, you mentioned her before. I hope that this World Cup, World Cup experience has turned a corner with her. She's been talking with James Johnson. She's been amongst yeah. the side. She's gone back to Parliament. She's spoken about the soccer is in Parliament. Hopefully, she does push for change in the sport. Dan Andrews has shown how much he can get behind her, opening up Amy Park. Um, Anthony Albanese, he's really throwing support, support behind the Socceroos. Um, not to be a little bit racist, but he is Italian. They are a footballing country. <laughs> Hopefully, that's an indicator well, that he you know can get funny. behind. Sorry, you know what was really funny about Anthony Albanese's rest of Parliament was how all of a sudden he started talking about, and uh, you know, Graham Arnold changed to a back five at the end of the game. He's talking about the Denmark game, back five towards the end of the game, and he's like, "It's like is Anthony Albanese discussing tactical alterations to to, to Parliament House? Well, what's going on here?" Um, so what else they're discussing Parliament House? I guess legislation, but uh, you know that that never actually gets anywhere. Anyway, that's what is our that, that can get that can, that can do a back burner. I think that the, the tactical decisions of our national team should be front and center. <laughs> um, well, unfortunately, with New South Wales, I think um, what's his name again? Don Perrette. I think he what's did kind of use it as a political thing to try and get one up on Dan Andrews, which I thought was really stupid. There, there was much more to this than oh, I'm just trying to make a political statement. Like this means something to people. And hopefully, yeah. he does realize that from what he saw today. Yeah, absolutely. And um, also, you just mentioned Sydney and stuff. That Sydney Opera House looked just fire uh, with the green and gold on there. I absolutely love that. Um, so that that was terrific. And even um, yeah, in Melbourne, there are a few uh, like landmark buildings around that had uh, just green and gold colors and stuff. And it was just it was awesome. Like it was our it was our day, you know, uh, and and uh, it's, yeah, you know, no one can really take it away. So terrific, terrific stuff. Um, anything else? Anything else we wanted to touch on? Uh, maybe let's, let's just briefly get into... Did we touch much on the Matty Ryan stuff? 
You, you don't want to... Oh, no, you don't want to... you talking about Matty Ryan as in the, just the goal, or... you talk about some other stuff? Well, I was talking about the goal. Matty I don't Ryan. know where you were heading. I, I, yeah, I, you no, know who no, I'm... No, 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 I don't know about that can of worms, because right, right, you know right. where I'm going to head with that. No, I know. That's where you're going to head with that. Uh, obviously, I'm referring to Camel Grabara, but no, we're not going to mention him, because the, 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 the near... That the mere sorry Grubara is a, is a it's a very fitting name. Put it that way. <laughs> the, the, the mere mention of that guy's name uh, is is going to get our podcast banned. I think so. Um, you know, let's let's not get into it. Do um, you put the explicit but, tag on the podcast? Um, yeah, I've got the option. Uh, I don't, but I mean, do you use it? I should I should probably because if we, we started do... talking about him, you would need it. Oh. Yeah, I mean, we swear on this podcast all the time anyway. I mean, I actually think oh, I'm I swear on this podcast, but this would be another level of obscenity. Yeah, I, I can't I, I can't fathom. Thanks for opening up No, 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 okay, okay. You're opening it. I cannot fathom my anger at this right now. It. You are a professional footballer, and you are doing that something that bloody petty as a professional. You're in camp preparing for a semi-final, a, a, a round of 16 match, a, a World Cup finals match against the reigning world champions, and you're busy writing on Twitter about... A guy you're trying to compete with for a spot of your club. How daft do you have to be for that? How 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 much does Maddie Ryan need to be in your head that you're watching his game and going, hey, look, my teammate screwed up. Let me go and write about it on Twitter. Are you a dickhead? Sorry. Anyway. I, I, I totally agree. Uh I'm just laughing at the the manner in which that was uh in which that was um ranted uh as well. But uh I totally agree. Um, let's stop. Let's not. Uh, let's not continue because I think Cody might uh, just get really upset. So um, I'm going to protect your feelings there. Uh, so what you want to talk about? You, talk, you just want to talk about Matty Ryan in the second goal because uh, I. By the way, Look, I just want to mention something about that because I saw some stuff around. Saw some people tweeting and bringing the Langerak stuff back up. Which look, I get it. I get it. Um, you know. Yes, Langerak was probably hard done by going in the tournament, but we've seen over the last couple of games that Matty Ryan has is kind of turned a corner again and he looks fine and he looks, you know, he's our number one. Uh, and yeah, he made a bad mistake, but I, I don't think, you know, it, it, it's, it's just no place to now rehash an old argument that, that doesn't really add any benefit to, to anyone. So uh, anyone that was kind of mentioning that... The sad pretty, thing is, if, if there wasn't that whole discourse already around Ryan v. Langerak, I probably would be sitting there going, "Oh, if this is the one mistake that Matty Ryan has made this tournament, that Langer probably would have probably would have been that." Yeah. But the fact that there's already this like, staunch Langer agenda that's like, "Oh, he should have been there should be every game," it really makes me not want to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. The thing that really annoys me about that Ryan chance, that Ryan um, blunder, I don't know, what, I don't know, I don't know what you want to call it. I know you mentioned before saying roles. You mentioned that Rolls probably put him in a poor position, but Matty Ryan should be doing a lot better still. I'd argue that Rolls probably could have cleared it in first himself. He saw the pressure coming on. And it is probably an aspect of Matty Ryan's game where if there is one really damaging flaw of his, it is that he does struggle under pressure with the ball at his feet. Mm. As do a lot of goalkeepers. Mm. Fair enough. You can do your best to avoid putting him in that situation, which Rolls should have done. Probably showed his inexperience a little bit there. I'm not going to protect Matty Ryan on this one, but unfortunately... It was a bit. It was pretty poor for him, and it wasn't a big moment. But that shouldn't take away from the tournament that he's had. He was probably one of the better performing keepers in the group stage. Kept two clean sheets for Christ's sake. We've kept three clean sheets as a country at the World Cup. He's done two of them. You got to put a bit of respect on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the other thing I would add is that that second goal we conceded against France, 
if you want to go back to that, you could argue that it was another a case maybe of Matt Ryan being a little bit uncomfortable with his feet. But again, I think it's irrelevant because Australia, it's not like West Spain where we're, we're trying to, you know, we're playing out with 80% of the ball and we want a keeper who's basically like an 11th outfielder. You know, we, it, more often than not, we need Matt Ryan to be direct. We need him to hit the ball to a winger to knock the ball on and we're playing that kind of style. So it's it's not massive concern. Um, and to, to add something else on him, I think he and they're probably already... Uh, thinking about it anyway, he will surely be on the move in January to a new club, and hopefully this time his agent gets it right because uh, his last few have not been uh, have not been the best uh, decisions in in my opinion. Maybe financially, but in terms of playing time, not uh, not the best. Um, all right then. Uh, I, I think. Oh, we, we, speaking of moves, I guess let, let's get into that because we know Harry Suter is is one that if he doesn't move in January, is surely going to move you know next summer to the, to the Premier League anyway. You'd have to think. Uh, what what else? Because I think Keanu Backus, although he's only like just joined St Mirren this season, he he's been so good for them, and then he came in and has looked looked so good in the second half against Denmark, and then today that I, I'm almost feeling like is he potentially on the move next summer again to, to, to somewhere bigger because he's so, he's someone well, that's kind of jumped um, off the page for me. Apparently, championship clubs were, sort of, were having a look at him before. This I time. think that was Huddersfield. So, Huddersfield, if I'm... Huddersfield wanna... were keeping their yeah. eye on him. They were yeah. keeping tabs. His performances at this World Cup will definitely do no harm to him. I've seen some people mention McGree. I don't yeah. know if I buy into that too much. He's had he's had his moments, but I think especially at club level, he's probably been a bit inconsistent this season to warrant a move away. I, I think, um, yeah, I think it, for McGree, I think if he can't have a like a solid goal scoring second half of the year for Middlesbrough, then that that could definitely put him in the shot window. Maybe. I think yeah. another one that might be on the cards is as is Bayich. Um, not necessarily this coming transfer window, but maybe at the end of this season, depending on what happens with um Dundee United if they do go down, because he's probably shown that he's. At least this World Cup that he's too good for. Look, he's he's probably a quality player for the for the Scottish First Division. Yeah, he's definitely too good for the Second Division. No offense to them. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, I think it's probably a smart move for him though to go like something a bit different. Go to Scotland, uh, where a few Aussies have gone already. Actually, get his confidence back. Start every week. Play every minute. You know what I mean? And then he, he you can kind of see going to this World Cup. Although, as I said, he maybe started a little bit slowly. He's really grown into that role. And has really proved why he is he's probably our best uh, best left back. I know everyone was talking about Jason Davidson a little bit, but I do think that Bayage kind of really cemented himself. Well, Jason Davidson hasn't had a great start to life in Belgium either. Yeah, I think yeah, that's something so, that doesn't really get mentioned that all that often. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, that um, yeah, Bayage Bayage potentially now that he's stepped down, uh, I don't want to say stepped down and mean it harshly, but has gone down from like. You know, of course, he was playing in, in leagues like Turkey and stuff, which are pro- much better than than Scotland. Uh, he he might use this go down and now go back up to to like a different division again. So that will be interesting. Um, trying to think, I'm just trying to think in the squad who else could potentially make a move. Oh, Mitch Duke. Mitch Duke could maybe get snapped up by a J one side instead. Maybe he stays in Japan but moves to the J League one. I think I think that's going to offer something to a team. Yeah, I think that's something that could be on the cards. The other one, which which we I mentioned the other uh, day, and I wasn't. It was in our. I can't remember which podcast it was, but Craig Goodwin, who it's it's a lot harder to manifest because he is a he's thirty and he's b he's very settled with his family here in Adelaide, but c 
I know that you know he, he's someone who has gone an interest whilst he's been here in Adelaide and and become arguably the most influential player in the A League, definitely the most influential to his side. Um, he's definitely had interest before and some big offers before, which he which he rejected. But now is he? going to maybe try one last time to go to Europe and 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 create a meaningful stint over there. I think if he does, it would have to... Uh, he's not, it doesn't seem like the sort of person that would be motivated by money at this stage of his career for mm-hmm. me. I don't think he'll go and look for a payday or something like that. Yeah, I think if he were to go back to Europe, it would have to be for a big opportunity. Like I'm talking if a top five league... Yeah, we're knocking on the door for him. That would probably be what. Look, it's hard to turn down in that case. It's 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 a massive opportunity. Anyone would want to take it. And I can't see if, let's just say, even a mid-table or a low mid-table club in Germany were to sit there and go, "Hey, we yeah. want to take a pun on you." That would be hard to turn down. Like let's just say, like a, ooh, um, I'd, would, I'd would, would, uh, like a would, yeah, uh, you mean FC Köln? Yeah, it's yeah, Cologne, yeah. technically. Yeah. I got I got my Germany German pronunciation right. I can't get my Spanish though. Don't call me Cologne, um, which which is something that I used to do like like many years ago <laughs> before before I actually like you know understood German pronunciation. Um, but the other thing, the other guy on the other side, uh, Matthew Leckie, is he is he someone? I, I mean, I don't really. That's harder to manifest, much harder to manifest. But I, I don't know. See, he's he, had his time at goods level in Europe. Yeah. Uh, he may not want yeah. him anymore. Yeah, I think uh, I think you'll be fine um, with yeah with uh, staying at Melbourne City and, and that's the thing. Like we, any other nation that kind of goes on this run would probably have a number of players looking at it. I think it's just more the stage that everyone is in their career that it's yeah. like well they, they don't really need the moves. And yeah. the one person that really stood out for us is almost guaranteed that move anyway in Harry Suda. So mm. there probably isn't a lot to come out of it, but. There's, there's little stories here and there. Keanu Backus, Riley McGree, possibly. You can make that case for Goodwin because Goodwin's shown that he's, in my opinion, and I'm going to bring this up again, a world class player. But you think Craig Goodwin's world class? It'll be a thing of the hey, year. Hey, one hey, hey, I think that's hang on, no, hang, on, hang, on. You're, you're, hang on, hang on, Jesus Christ! Your your definition of the term world class is getting out of hand. You th- so I love Craig Goodwin. I think he's a fantastic footballer. But Cody, Cody, just remember, just remember when we. The, the guys we talk about as world-class, usually, I'm talking Robert Lewandowski. I'm talking Harry Kane. I'm talking, you know, you get, you know what I'm getting at here, right? And oh, think- look, I'd put them in a bracket above world-class. Like, they're, they're, they're the pinnacle of football, especially at this, at this time. But I'd, I'd consider a world-class player who's someone who's, much, who's playing at a level much better than your average professional footballer. And in my opinion, Craig Goodwin fits that bill. Tell me why he's not a world-class player. Why is he not a world-class player? Why is he not a world-class player? So I do think, I do think, look, and I understand that, you know, the the top five leagues debate is becoming um, a little bit less and less important, but I do think, I, you know, I do think it is fair to say that one of the requirements of being world-class, you know, uh, someone who is like, you know, a tier below the elite is someone who can pretty much hold their own in, you know, top, club competitions in the world probably notably the champions league would be my opinion now i don't think craig goodwin has got a lot of great qualities don't get me wrong and and he's a very intelligent footballer as well but i wouldn't see him necessarily cutting up you know or or, or starting for a team in the champions league if, if that's 
If that's if if I could you think starting for a team in say mid low table Bundesliga, mid low table, um, let's just say, yeah, ma- yeah, no, 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 maybe, maybe, but I don't think hypothetical, don't think... hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, let me let me put let me paint a picture for you. Patrick Kiznoba, he's just signed for Troyes. Mm-hmm. If he Trois, rings Trois. up Gre- Craig Goodwin and goes, I want to bring you over to Troyes, does Craig Goodwin not get in that side? Troyes, I'm not French. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm correcting you because Jeremy McGarn's going to listen to this podcast and he's going to come in your DMs. Yeah, he can correct me then. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's toi. It's Aztec toi. Okay. Uh, anyway. Toi. <laughs> so, so you're saying that if Craig Goodwin was to move with Patrick Esnobo to Aztec toi, he would be considered suddenly world-class? I think he already is, but I think that would, that would further the agenda. And I think if he goes to toi, there you go. You're welcome. I think mm-hmm. if he goes there, He's uh, definitely. I'd I'd start him. I I I think he's good enough to start in the Ligue 1, especially yeah, yeah, at okay. level. Okay, I, I'm not. I'm not. No, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, potentially. I still don't think it's kind of like our lecky debate the other day. I still don't think if you start for you know like a a team which is struggling in like the French or German. Look, maybe my bar for a world class player is a lot lower than most people's. I think it's. I think it's like considerably lower least, than a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think at the very least what I'm doing is I'm being consistent with my opinion. That's 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 the biggest thing that true. I'll say. That is true. That is true. I mean, you've, you've called in a matter of like two podcasts, you've called Matthew Leckie and, and Craig Goodman world-class at, at, at some Clare, stage of their career. I said Matthew Leckie was world-class. Yeah, no, I know. At some stage of their careers. At some stage. Anyway. No, I missed, I missed that part. <laughs> yes. Yes, you did. Uh, anyway. Uh, the... I love my Aussie footballers, man. I will, I will defend them till the day I die. <laughs> um, now, what... You know, one thing I do want to bring up: what uh, what was the bet you made pre-game that you were going to do? Uh, should should Australia win? I just want you to explain and and uh, and go into a little bit of detail about that. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, I think that kind of got thrown out the window when my missus saw that. But um, yes, my I, I was planning to get an Aussie DNA tattoo if we won this match, but we didn't. So I don't have to go through with it anyway, and I don't have to piss anyone off potentially. You know, you know, I made a joke. I almost made a bet with someone yesterday that if Australia won the World Cup, I'd get uh, Ange Postecoglou's monologue uh, to my. You know, I, I want to talk about our fucking game and this sort of thing, like tattooed on my back. <laughs> Bloody oath! Why not? <laughs> if if we won this World I, Cup, I, think, I would I think... be getting a tattoo of us. I would be getting a tattoo of Maddie Ryan lifting the World Cup on uh, somewhere on my body. That that would be happening. I would get that photo. I'd go into a tattoo parlor. I'd slap it down on the desk and say, "Just find somewhere to put it on me." Oh Jesus! But imagine like just like having that that whole speech, that monologue uh, on on your back, and it's like someone just like looked at your back once or something like at the beach, and they're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> That's a conversation starter. Yeah, right. uh, you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, there's definitely been some crazy bets, and some people, to their credit, have uh, you know they've they've stuck to their end of the bargain that and. It looks like Cody would have bitched out if he actually uh, if Australia did win. So um, that's a shame. Uh, but uh... <laughs> I'm a very unreliable man. No, no. Uh, you've uh, well, you've 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 shown up on both of the last two podcasts. So uh, it turn, turns out that you are pretty reliable, Matt. Um, but reliable for you, Christian. Reliable for you. Reliable for the Don, uh, as 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 everyone should be. Um, but anyway. I think uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Um, it's been a heck of a ride, a heck of a World Cup. I'm immensely proud of uh, of our Socceroos for for what they've achieved at this World Cup and the way that they've played and the way that they've taken our prisoners and and all the rest of it. And I guess to close, I just add that 
the A-League is back next week, uh, which means that, you know, our A-League content will be back as usual. Uh, hoping to get our mini pods back up and running as well, uh, our Friday night minis. Uh, I think we've got Brisbane and Adelaide next week, uh, which should be an interesting one on a Friday. And uh, I, I cannot stress this enough. You know, if if you if you watch the Socceroos run just then and you, and you don't attend any local matches just because you don't, uh, yeah, that's fair enough. I get it. But just, just just go out, have a watch, see if you like it or not. If you don't, I get it. You know, you know, I don't think people should be forced to uh, <laughs> to, to go watch Ailey Gaz. We'd love it, I'm sure. But uh, you know, don't. It, it's it's a good old time. It, it is. is a good time. It is. It is. You know, there's a lot please, of fun. Please give um, it a go. Give it a go. Because you, once you start, you won't stop. Exactly. Exactly. It's a bit of fun, and uh, you know, the Twitter discourse is is, is quite fun as well. Um, so you know, just just. Just get involved. Get involved. Uh, and as always, frontpagefootball.net. Check out our content on there. If you want to go back and have a listen to some of our other reaction podcasts to to the other games from the Socceroos, feel free. Front Page Football Podcast Network, now available on Spotify, of course, which is actually always available on Spotify, uh, but now on Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, if you've got Samsung Podcasts, you can listen through there. Um, so, yeah, a few different platforms as well for us. Um Okay, Cody, thank you for joining me again. Anytime, Christian, anytime. Yes, anytime indeed. All right, and uh, that concludes our Socceroos editions of the Front Page Football Podcast, and uh, we'll be back with another one. Not not another Socceroos edition, sorry, fuck. Uh, but we'll be back with uh, great, Great hosting, else. Don. Great hosting. Yeah, great hosting. Hey, fucking just lost my train of thought. Um. We'll be back with probably a mini, mini podcast. But, but of course, we actually do have Jeremy's World Cup podcast uh, still going on at the moment uh, because although the Soccer is tournament has finished, the general tournament has not. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, uh, that's going to do it for this one. And, uh, yeah, uh, you can catch us on these platforms again soon.